This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with MLB Pipeline's Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Guys, the work has been done by you. I know it continues, but the top 100 draft prospect list is live. You move on to stretching that out to 200 over the next few weeks, but we're talking about that. We're also going to get into the first Pipeline mock draft of the season put together by Mr. Mayo, and it's been a big week for pitching prospects making their way to the major leagues, so we'll touch on that with Soroka, Romero, Kingham, some big-name guys uh, getting their their debuts under their belts in the next few days. But let's start with a top 100 list. Um, we've kind of teased this over the last couple of podcasts and, and how it may look, and we kind of gave away without officially giving away who would be number one, and that is Casey Mize, and that is actually the case with Mize checking in at number one. So let's start right there because it seems like he separated himself and then there's a drop-off. It's different than we've seen the past couple of years where there's a group of players. So I guess if there was a year when you needed to be the number one pick and not the two or three, the the Tigers seem to have picked the right season to go and, and have that top pick. Jonathan, you want to start? Yeah, although I, you know, I still don't think it's a slam dunk that Casey Mize, who is the guy who has kind of run away and hit this year, is the is going to go one one. Uh, I mean, all signs are pointing in that direction, but uh, you know, Mize was obviously good previously. Um, and we had him in the top ten. Uh, this isn't a guy who's come out of nowhere. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily have to say the same track record as Brady Singer, who has three years of, you know, being really good at, you know, as an SEC starter for you know, one of the, if not the best programs in the country, um, you know, and and there are other guys who you know, could figure into it as well. Um, you know, that said, I still put Casey Mize uh, on that mock, uh, and I think it was a no-brainer, you know, as of, as of right now. Um, but you know there there are, there are some question marks there. It's not uh, you know Stephen Strasburg when it was <laughs> there was no doubt about who was going to go number one. Jim, yeah, I mean it's it, you know I do think if the draft were today he'd, he'd be the favorite to go number one, but I don't think it, it's set in stone by any means. It, it's just been a weird year where nobody's separated themselves really besides Mize. Um, you know, I, I've had a number of scouters kind of make the joke. I mean, Casey Mize got shut down twice last year as a sophomore, once at Auburn, once with Team USA. He had a PRP injection in the fall. And if Casey Mize, you know, grabs his elbow or winces on the mound and looks funny, then all of a sudden it, it's, it's totally wide open. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what really goes on uh, with that pick. I mean, it's also interesting, too, because there's just – I think there's so many guys in this draft who are eye of the beholder. Like, you can bring up a guy uh, – like like Alec Bama, Wichita State, is a guy who 
I don't think he's really going to go number one, but, like, I've heard his name a lot at, at number two, and I think, you know, Johnson projected him to go in the top five. And I've talked to guys who, who aren't on Alec Baum at all. Or, you know, Brady Singer, Johnson mentioned him. He was our number one guy coming into the year. I, I don't for the life of me understand why people are down on Brady Singer. <laughs> he's always had the same arm slot he's thrown with. You know, there's the low arm slot crowd who thinks that doesn't work, but seems to work pretty well for Chris Sale and Madison Bumgarner, and it seemed to work pretty well for Josh Hader last night in relief. Um, but, you know, Brady Singer's stuff hasn't gone backwards. It's as good as it's been, and he's put up the best number of his career. But you talk to some guys, and they act like Brady Singer belongs, like, in the bottom half of the first round, which, which I don't get. So it's, it's just a very confusing draft to try to make heads or tails of because I, I just don't think there's much consensus on many of these guys at all. It seems like the guy that uh, annually is number one early in these rankings is almost doomed because of that, that people just start to pick on them, pick them apart a little bit, and maybe that's happened to Singer. Here's the top ten that you guys put together. Mize is one. Carter Stewart, the high school right-hander out of Florida, number two. Nick Madrigal, Oregon State shortstop, second baseman, number three. Matt Libertor, the high school lefty out of Arizona, four. Then Brady Singer. Six is Shane McClanahan out of South Florida, another lefty. Uh, Travis Swaggerty, an outfielder from South Alabama, is seven. Jared Kelnick, uh, the outfielder from Wisconsin, the high schooler, is number eight. Then Joey Bart, Georgia Tech catcher, nine. And Jonathan India, who we talked a little bit about um, on the last podcast because of his rise in helium, third baseman from Florida, is ten. Now, Mize and Singer actually got to go head-to-head last week, which you don't always get to see in draft season. Pretty cool, Jonathan. And Singer, adding to this debate, I guess, uh, won that game three to one as Florida got the best of Auburn, and it was uh, India who came through with the big home run in that game. Um, but does a game like that? Obviously, the scouts that are in attendance, and there was plenty of them, got to see both of these guys pitch really well. Does it matter that Singer maybe pitched a little better? I don't think it makes a huge difference. Uh, I mean, it certainly helped um, and didn't surprise anyone. I mean, Brady Singer has a reputation of being an ultra-ultra competitor. And I talked to a few guys before that start who fully expected him to go out and, and, and dominate at least to an extent, and he threw uh, exceptionally well. And his stuff you know, had been ticking back up uh, anyway. Um, Mize was... was also good, you know. He, he did get dinged for the, you know, that that two-run homer from India in the first inning. His best pitch is a ridiculous splitter, and he hung a few early, and then kind of settled in and was as effective as you know he he's he's been. So it's not like it tremendously hurt Casey Mize's stock. It probably helped, um, probably helped Singer a, a little bit as much as one start can and, and probably help Jonathan India more than anybody else. Uh, just because, uh, anytime a guy like India has this, you know, this one year where he, you know, he doesn't come out of nowhere. He was a starter for Florida, solid college player, but, uh, nothing really resembling a first round pick. And, and now he's moved himself up into the top half of the first round to consideration and, and maybe even top 10 as he continues to do it. So for him to do that to Homer, uh, with that spotlight against the best pitcher in the country, that definitely helped him. 
So that's the overall top 10. And the breakdown of the 100 is interesting. It almost always ends up somewhere around here as far as the, the evening off college versus high school. 50 high school players, 49 college, and one JUCO. I mean, that is right down the middle. Um, how about overall? When you look at this draft, Jamie, you look at the past few or, or the past however many. I know you can just kind of bring them up in, in, in your mind. Um, what's the strength of this draft? You know, I, I think the strength, I, I don't know if it's a particular demographic. I think it's the depth. I mean, it's, it's also the weakness, too, in that I think the guy that you might pick at 25 might not be that much different than the guy you're going to pick at 10. Um, and, and so I think it's not very top-heavy with obvious guys who belong at the top of the draft, but there is depth that, that runs into the second round. I mean, there's – there's a lot of names we're kicking around among college position players, but not necessarily a lot that are slam dunk guys who belong in the top five. Um, you know, there, there's some high school pitching, uh, a number of high school pitchers, although that's a demographic that, that usually scares teams the most and, and they don't go as high as they necessarily should, particularly the right-handers. It, it's a pretty weak draft in terms of catchers and, and shortstops overall. Um, you know, I think the college pitchers, it seems that the majority of them have not quite performed as hoped, but there's still a number of them that are going to go in the first round. Um, you know, high school position players, some of those guys have taken a step back, but, I mean, there, there's kind of a little bit of everything. But if you could trade like, like you can in the NFL or the NBA, I think you'd have a lot of teams looking to trade down uh, to pick up extra picks rather than, you know, jump on the guy that they're going to pick at, at three or seven or wherever. Jonathan, when you look at the strictly towards the top of this top 100, and John, uh, Jim mentioned the high school hitters, there's only one in the top 10, three in the top 20. From that standpoint, it, it seems like the elite high school hitter is kind of lacking in this, this crop. Yeah, it, I would agree with that, uh, that assessment. There are some, some very good High school hitters, uh, Jared Kelnick being the one who, who is rated the highest. Um, Nolan Gorman has become a little bit more of a, of a wild card uh, just because of what's been perceived to, to be a bit of an uneven spring. Um, I think that's a little hard. He had such a huge summer uh, and has largely not been pitched to uh, during the spring, and it's hard to know exactly what that does to, you know, in terms of impacting what he can do. Um, but, you know, I think there was a hope that after his summer he was going to rise towards the you know the very top and maybe be that elite high school hitter. And I think teams, especially at the top, are always looking for, for guys like that, the, the Justin Uptons or, you know, or Royce Lewis, who you know, was number one last year. Um, and, and there have been a number of guys uh, in years past that have been very good high school hitters. And there aren't nearly as many, uh, especially, uh, you know, Kelnick and Gorman are the only, only two who are, who are being remotely considered as top ten picks still. Um, you know, Bryce Terang was a guy whose name was mentioned near the top uh, in, the, in the fall and you know, maybe heading into the spring, but he, he's not had a great spring, and, and his name has slid down quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah, there there is definitely, uh, to me, that is the lightest grouping of players in this draft class. 
Make sure you check out the full top 100 list, which will be expanded to the top 200 list by the end of the month. It's on MLB Pipeline, and there's a lot of great articles to go with that as well. And we're going to get to Jonathan's mock draft. I know you guys alternate back and forth putting out these mock drafts. Before we get to that, though, we want to take a second to tell you about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Baseball is in full swing, which means it's time to track that fantasy roster. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association five years in a row. One reason why is the Yahoo Fantasy app. The app will help you get the expert advice and analysis you need to make moves like big league GMs and to crush your league. The app allows you to draft, trade, and manage your team right from your phone. Sign up by downloading the Yahoo Fantasy app or going to yahoo.com backslash baseball. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball, the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. So, Jonathan, you were first up as far as the mock draft goes. Um, So we'll take a little bit of a look at that. And you do indeed, at number one, have Casey Mize going to the Detroit Tigers. Um, After that, how hard was it for you to just put together a mock because of what we just discussed? Oh, it fell completely into place. In fact, I'm not going to touch this for the next four weeks. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I mean, I it was it was I don't want to say it was guesswork. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Jim and I uh, we always joked that we should form a, a mock draft support group, uh, you know, between us and our, our colleagues at other publications who do this because it gets a little ridiculous and we get so wrapped up in it. And I tried not to do that since this is so early. And we've not done a full like one to thirty this early. Um, I will say that the top half of the first round. Um, I feel pretty good. Not, oh, this guy's definitely going there, but they made some sense. I ran names by people as much as I could. The second half, a lot of it was wanting to put guys around where I think they're going to go. So, like, I, I did a Twitter chat uh, not that long ago, and someone asked, uh, someone, or someone had commented uh, saying that, you know, I put Sean Jelly uh, from Kentucky, 24 to the Cubs. I don't have any insight that the Cubs want Sean Jelly, but he's the kind of college pitcher who I think is going to go in the back half of the first round, uh, and so that's where I ended up putting him. And, you know, as we get a little closer, uh, Jim and I both uh, effort, probably effort too hard um, to, to get it as right as, as possible for that very, very last one, which we, we now put out on the day of the draft, which is, which is June 4th. But it was fun, um, and I feel like I am – a little more informed about where the industry thinks guys are going to go, who they consider to be first rounders. And uh, there were guys that I left off of this that, you know, we may end up moving on and guys that will invariably come off between now and that, that final mock draft. I'm not going to go through the full 30, but you have Singer going two to the Giants, Magical three to the Phillies, Brom four to the White Sox. That's Alec Brom, the third baseman out of Wichita State. Uh, Carter Stewart, the right-hander, um, going five to the Reds. Uh, Jim, I know you did the who's in the mix to go number one besides Mize, um, and I think in that discussion you mentioned Libertor, um, not Stewart, the, the top two high school guys. Is that just because Libertor is the lefty? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's a, a, you know, no high school right-hander has ever gone number one overall. We thought Ethan Hankins was maybe going to to be that guy this year or have a chance, and he hasn't been 100% physically. Um, and just from what I was able to, to piece together,
together without giving away uh, specific sources. I don't think the Tigers are on any of the high school right-handers to go number one overall. And, and the Libertors in that mix, I just I don't. I'd be a little surprised. I think Jonathan and I like Libertor as much as anybody on the media side of things. I mean, I really like him a lot. I just have a hard time seeing Libertor in the end going number one over Casey Mize, over Brady Singer. I mean, he's very, very polished. I mean, he's polished almost like a college pitcher, you know, as a high school senior, which is great. But it's, you know, a lot of times the fastball velocity is, you know, average or even a tick below. And I just don't think that's the profile of the guy who goes 1-1. And you mentioned Hankins, and Jonathan, you have him falling all the way to 18. But it seems like he's a guy that could really be a wild card come draft day. It only takes one team, right? And this guy showed so much early potential. So um, 18, but with the chance to go higher or lower, you think, for Hankins? Yeah, I think so. I mean... There comes a certain point in time where, yeah. yeah, he could go anywhere with the uh, high school. I mean, high school right-handers are often a wild card. They're the guys who separate themselves that you know fairly comfortably uh, are going to be, you know, go in the, in the top part of the draft. And Carter Stewart is close to that. Although as I was collecting information, I started to hear that, uh, you know, his last couple starts were more lackluster. The breaking ball wasn't as good. Yes, it's nitpicking. Uh, but does that mean that he doesn't go, say, number two and goes down, you know, into the teens? I don't know. The thing with with Ethan Hankins is, you know, teams will have to be sure that they feel comfortable with with his health. Um, you know, he did come back, and while it was a little up and down, the velocity did, you know, was back. I think that's a promising sign. His season is now over. Uh, so, you know, I would imagine he'll get the chance to go work out for some teams, and that will probably help uh, as well. So I think it could go anywhere. You know, he could end up going uh, in the top ten. You know, he could end up sliding down to the end of the the first round. Um, It's all going to depend on that comfort level that teams have with him. Um, You know, like I said, the fact that he came back certainly helped. Um, the fact that, that it was minor helps. The fact that it's a shoulder, that makes teams nervous. Um, and so they're, gonna, they're really going to have to uh, dot their I's and cross their T's on this one to, to feel confident in taking him high up in the first round. Jim, I know you haven't done a mock as of yet, so you haven't really dove fully into this whole thing. But when you saw uh, Jonathan's first mock here and, and how it came out, did anything surprise you? No, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, <laughs> when I do my first mock too, I mean, we could sit here and poke holes in it because we're so far away from the draft. But no, I thought Casey Mize was the obvious guy at one. I, I like Brady Singer at two. I mean, you heard my comments earlier. I, I don't know why people think he's been disappointing or down this year. Uh, Nick Madrigal at three makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Phillies are, are, are seem to really be going down that college performer track. Uh, and Madrigal is probably the best college player, uh, position player, even though he's been hurt this year. The first one, and I gave him a little bit of a hard time on, on Slack yesterday, like Alec Baum going to the White Sox at four, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, you know, they, they took Zach Collins in the first round, and there's people who think Zach Collins is a first baseman and not a catcher. That was two years ago. They took Jake Berger last year, third baseman at Missouri State, who I like a lot, and I think he can play third. But there are people who thought he was a first baseman even before he blew out an Achilles. 
And in the second round, they took Gavin Sheets, who is a first baseman at Wake Forest, or was a first baseman at Wake Forest, and is definitely a first baseman. I, I would just find it hard to believe that they take Alec Baum, who, who theory, I mean, I know the White Sox obviously like the guys they've taken and are optimistic about them, but you just took a third baseman and a first baseman last year, and I don't think, I haven't talked to too many people, even guys who like Alec Baum, who think he's really a third baseman. I mean, you could have four college first basemen in three drafts. So that one, that was the first one that raised my eyes a little bit. Uh, you know, you obviously don't pick for need, but there's not a whole lot of ways you can go, you know, pos- you know <laughs> further on the defensive spectrum when you have first baseman. So that one, that, that was the one that maybe raised my eyes a little bit. But they, I thought all, all in all, I mean, they were all logical. I mean, when you do the first deep mock like Johnson did, you're basically just trying to – you're not going to nail these picks. You're just trying to make picks that make sense. I kind of consider it a success – if I don't hear from teams afterward, and I don't know if you have Jonathan, who say, "There's no way we're taking that guy." Like, where, where'd you get that? Like, so if if, right. if you avoid that I, in your first mock, then I consider that a success. I I, uh, I put my phone on do not disturb. Now I um I have not heard from too many. I did try to touch base with as many teams, even you know at the back end, just to say, you know, hey, here here's a guy. Uh, you know, here's a guy that I'm considering putting the threat. Is he even in your conversation? And if I hear back, yeah, no, we're, we wouldn't take him, then I'll pick somebody else. But other than that, I, I went with it. I, you know, I wasn't able to do that with all 30 teams. Um, you know, so I'm sure there are a couple there that people are like, well, we're not really on that guy, and, 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 and I'm okay with that. Uh, one guy in this mock draft that's going to bring us into our, our next topic, I think, is Shane McClanahan, left-handed pitcher, college arm, who you think maybe moves a little quickly because of the college ranks, throws hard. You have him at the Bra- to the Braves at eight, which, I mean, all the young arms coming up for the Braves to add a guy like that would, would certainly be impressive. And I wanted to mention that because up next is the fact that Mike Soroka is set to make his big league debut for the Braves. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. He's supposed to make the start against the Mets on Tuesday night. Off to a great start in the minor leagues was Soroka. 2-0, and a one nine nine ERA. He had 24 strikeouts in 22 and two-thirds innings. Uh, he's a friend of the podcast. We had him on during the offseason, um, so uh, good to see him making that debut. Uh, what should we expect to see from Soroka, uh, the Braves are your team currently, right, Jonathan? You want to start? Yep. Go ahead. Sure. I mean, I, I think uh, I think his performance on the mound will mirror his performance uh, on this podcast. Very <laughs> solid. Very professional. Um, uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, uh, I'm a huge uh, Mike Soroka fan. I love guys who can really pitch. Um, and, I mean, it's not to say that he doesn't have good stuff. So. Uh, we were uh, discussing uh, with our uh, our fearless leader Jason Ratliff earlier pitchers uh, on the top 100 list, and there are five of them who have 355 or better grades on their pitches and six at least 60 control, um, and he is one of them. Uh, and he has been as good, if not better, than he's been throughout his career. He's only 20 years old. He immediately becomes the youngest pitcher in the big leagues, uh, but he doesn't pitch like it at all uh the command is of all three pitches is really really good he's missed more bats albeit in a small sample size in triple a this year at age 20 so i think he's going to come up and he's going to compete really well 
Uh, you know, he's shown the ability to, to go deep into starts because he throws strikes. I think it's 1.9 walks per nine in his career. Uh, so I, I think he should be able to give them a, you know, a quality start. If for whatever reason, uh, you know, he doesn't pitch well, uh, he will invariably take the lessons from that and apply them to whenever that next big league start comes. It sounds like it may be June. Uh, this sounds like it's going to be a one-off for, for the time being. Um, of course, the Pirates thought Nick Kingdom was only going to pit, you know, make one start, and then he did what he did. Uh, but I just—he's uh, a very, very competent starter, um, and I don't—that sounds sort of like a backhanded compliment, but it's really not. Jim, does the timing feel right for this? Although I guess if it's a one-off, it's less of a deal if if he knows that he's pretty much heading back to AAA. But does it seem right for for now to be the time for the Braves for a twenty-year-old? Yeah, I mean, he's not your typical 20-year-old. I mean, when he was a first-round pick, his pitchability was very advanced for a high school pitcher, um, and he's lived up to that. And I think when we say that, it kind of sells his stuff short. It's kind of similar. You know, when Francisco Lindor was coming up, we focused on the glove. You know, it's the best, you know, one of the best gloves in the minors. He's a potential gold glove shortstop. It's the glove, it's the glove, it's the glove. And it kind of sold his bat short. And I kind of feel it's the same way with Soroka, where you, you, the first thing you think of, and I do this too, is, is the, po- the, the control and the polish, and he's very poised. But he's not, you know, throwing 88 miles an hour up there and, you know, a 72-mile-an-hour curveball. He's got good stuff. And I think he, he is equipped to handle it. I mean, I think, we've, we've, I think both Jonathan and I have talked about on the podcast previously, even the day we had him on after, after we were done with the interview, that wouldn't surprise us if he was in the big leagues this year. You know, they, they jumped him to Double A last year at 19, and he's just so advanced he can handle it. And you know, one of the things I, I feel like I've hammered at least every other week on the podcast is when we talk about the three best farm systems in the game, and that would be the the Padres, the Braves, and the White Sox. You know, were our consensus top three in whatever order you want to put them in. You know, I keep making the point that these teams that have these great farm systems, a lot of times they kind of surprise you and they jump into contention a year earlier than expected. And that's what we were talking about. If the, if the Braves had some success, you know, maybe they turned to Soroka if they needed a starter. Now the Padres and the White Sox seem to be competing to have the number one overall pick next year, but the Braves are off to a 16-11 start. And even though it, it's only, you know, it looks like it's just going to be the one time for now, you know, if he pitches well, you know, and continues to reinforce what he's doing in AAA, I think it just makes it that much easier to rely on him if they do hang around in the wild card race or make a run in the LA East. I mean, for all the success they've had, their, their pitchers, their starting pitchers, are not throwing a lot of strikes. Um, you know, even the guys who are having success. And Mike Soroka throws a lot of strikes. So, yeah, I don't think it's out of the question that if you gave him 20 starts this year, that he might be. Yeah, I'll bet he would have the lowest walk rate of anybody in their rotation. I'm not saying he'll strike out the most guys or have the lowest DRA, but he's certainly not going to beat himself with walks, and, and he's just a very, very effective guy. So it's, it's, it's going to be kind of fun to watch and see what he does. Scary stuff from the Braves for other teams in the East perspective, I guess, is that the Braves now, once Soroka is on the roster, will have the three youngest players in the majors. Acuna, 20, 20 years old, 134 days. Soroka, 20 years old, 270 days. And Ozzie Albies, 21 years old and 114 days. So that is a young roster for sure. All right, the Twins are promoting Fernando Romero. He's 23 years old. Uh, second 
number two prospect in the Twins organization. He is 66th in the top 100. Soroko is number 30 in the top 100. Um, he's set to start on Wednesday. Uh, Jonathan, the stuff's always been electric, right? The the question is the command. Has he worked to improve that enough to make this debut? It's still a, a little bit in question, um, but I think it'll be it'll be good enough. Um, yeah, I've had a busy day today uh, with uh, both these guys. Uh, you know, whenever we have a top 100 guy I get caught up, we write what to expect stories. You know, except when I forget to do them. But um, that's a story for another day. But uh, Romero. You know, is a guy, uh, people may have noticed what he did in spring training. He threw eight hitless innings in big league camp, uh, struck out eight. Um, kind of a, a, hey, I'm, I'm ready kind of statement. Uh, the, the Twins you know, wanted him to, to continue to work in AAA. Uh, you know, he's still young. He missed almost two years uh, because of Tommy John surgery and the resulting rehab. Uh, it was healthy in 2016. Last year, 125 innings, good total, but kind of ran out of gas at the end and got put on the shelf with a shoulder impingement. That, which I think was more precautionary than anything else. But you know, so they're kind of keeping a watchful eye on him. Stuff-wise, he's ready to compete. He's got a, a plus-plus fastball with a ton of sink. Uh, that's gotten even better this year. It's missing more bats. He's still getting ground ball outs. Uh, he'll flash a plus slider. And uh, the, the changeup has come along uh, considerably, and I think that's what's going to give him the best chance of, of really competing, giving him that third pitch, especially against left-handed hitters um, who, who had gotten good looks uh, against him in the past. Uh, so far this year, he'd done much better against left-handed hitters. So, uh, you know, I could see him, especially in the early going, being a little too amped up, uh, and, and that may hurt him uh, in terms of pitching deep into games. Uh, the command has kept them from from going deep uh, and it tends to be because he tries to to nibble he's not like crazy wild if he just trusts his stuff and goes right after hitters he's going to be just fine and and unlike with Soroka uh he's going to get a chance to to stick in this rotation now um right away so when he makes his first start Wednesday uh it's not going to be a one-off kind of deal yeah, you know, to, to me, that's what's interesting is kind of compare and contrast it to the Soroka call-up. The Braves are, are doing better than expected. You know, this is probably, you know, as we said, like a one-star deal for Soroka at this point. The Twins, on the other hand, were a team that was hoping to contend after being, you know, you know having a really good year last year. Uh, and then it, you know, it backfired. You know, they've not played well this year. Uh, their rotation, the back of the rotation has not been good. And I think they're they're hoping that Romero – you know, even if he's not the most pinpoint pitcher, can kind of you know shore up the back end of that rotation a little bit, and they can start to turn the season around because at nine and fifteen, it's starting to get away from them pretty quick. I mean, they're they're certainly not buried, but you know, for a team that went eighty-five and seventy-seven this year, they were they were not expecting this kind of start. The other guy that made his debut this week uh, already made it, Nick Kingham, and you mentioned him, Jonathan, and he took a perfect game into the seventh inning. Uh, just a, a special day in Pittsburgh for Kingham. He ended up throwing seven shutout innings on one hit and uh, earned a trip to Washington, D.C. with the Pirates where they're playing this week. Now, we don't know what his role is going to be going forward, of course, but uh, Jim, I'll, I know Pittsburgh's Jonathan's team, but... It's all I, Jonathan's guys are getting promoted. But I keep going to him first. I want to give I, you I'd a like chance. I'd like a retroactive to, uh... what to expect on Nick Kingham, please. Uh, <laughs> when you're done with Not your a other top 100 team. guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, shush. But, but he used to be back in the day, so come on. 
So he battled through a lot, obviously. 26-year-old, he finally gets up there, and he does this. Has he now set the bar kind of ridiculously high? I mean, nobody expects him to go out and throw perfect uh, innings um, like he did. But just what does this do for expectations for a guy like Kingham Jim when when he's going to go out there on the hill again and fans are going to think he's going to be a a front-of-the-rotation guy? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Nick Kingham and the Pirates aren't necessarily looking at that. But no. you know, I think what it, what it did show, I mean, we're not going to get him flirting with perfection every time out and, and giving up, you know, striking out nine times as many guys as he puts on base. But I do think it kind of, you know, brings him back into focus for some people who may have forgotten. I, I went, he was on our top 100 list at one point, wasn't he, Jonathan, yes. before he had Tommy John surgery? Yes, he did. Yeah, and Absolutely. this is a guy, you know, we're talking about Soroka, you know, having three pitches and good control. You know, I mean, Kingham is not same, uh, quite on the same level as Soroka, but he throws a lot of strikes. He's got a quality fastball. The curveball, you know, is solid at times. You know, the changeup's pretty solid. So, I mean, he's got three reliable pitches, and he throws strikes, and he was performing not to that level, but pitching very well in AAA. I mean, there's, you know, and, and he's got that, that top 100 prospect pedigree that, you know, it kind of, kind of, I guess, kind of went into the shadows a little bit after he had Tommy John surgery and, and, and wasn't thought about for a little bit. And, you know, came back last year, and it was an okay year, but not, not special. But you know, he's getting back on track. So, I mean, if you told me that Nick Kingham could be a – uh, a, a very useful pitcher in the back half of the Pirates rotation. I, I don't think that's uh, ridiculous to expect at all. You know, he's not going to, you know, we're not going to be getting live cut-ins to every one of his starts like we did in the first one. But I don't see any reason why he can't he can't shore up, you know, help shore up the back of that Pirates rotation. Jim, you mentioned the the three reliable pitches, and Jonathan, he's added a fourth this season, I guess, since spring training, right? He added a slider to the mix, which he used in that start. Um, That impresses me that he was able to do that so quickly. It sounded like at the end of spring training, he kind of started messing around with the slider and got confident in it, and now they've allowed him to start using it. So now he has four pitches. Yeah, he he does. I mean, and that, I think that speaks to his overall feel for pitching, which was a strength of his, uh, you know, before the injury. Uh, and, and, you know, even though he's 26, because he missed so much time uh, from a pitching experience standpoint, he's still relatively young. Uh, I think there's, you know, assuming that the elbow holds up, uh, I think there's a lot left there. He was a guy who kind of profiled as a number three type starter, a high end, you know, but maybe more of a number four. I think he still has that ability, and uh, the slider has allowed him to miss, uh, has allowed him to to miss more bats than he had previously, and I think he gives him a very viable option in the rotation. He's definitely a starter. Uh, you know, he's stepping in this next start for Stephen Brault, who I, I think, when all said and done, is, is better off pitching out of the bullpen anyway. Uh, so I think it. it it actually strengthens uh, the pitching staff even more because I think Brock could be really uh, a very valuable asset as a reliever. All right, that's going to do it for this podcast. We'll definitely be locked in and watching Mike Soroka making his debut, Fernando Romero as well. It's an exciting week for prospects around baseball. And make sure you check out that top 100 draft prospects list as well on MLB Pipeline. Uh, For Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Pipeline Podcast.